0: The next um, survey we have um, is, (laughs) Garrett's shaking his head, is the Sermon Series Survey, okay? And that one's a little longer, so you don't have to do that right now, but DentonNorthChurch.com slash Sermon Series. That is so we can get information from you guys about some topics to cover in our sermon series. We want to make sure it's applicable where you're at in your friendships, how many friendships you have, how long you've had them, what, what kind of impact they've had on your life. We want to make sure that we get that data from you guys. So as we're preaching sermons this, this semester, they are applicable to you, and they preach to you where you're at. Um, and so it's really helpful for us. If you don't have just tons of thoughts, there's definitely just some easy-to-answer questions. You don't have to write an essay on some of the long form ones. But this is for adults and students alike. We want to hear your information, your feedback, and hear where you're at in your life. That's, that's something that we like to do to make sure that our, our sermon series aren't just completely disconnected from where you guys are at. So please fill that out, dentonnorthchurch.com slash sermon series. That one we've got of only about 45 people who've done it, 46, I think. So um, that means that there's lots of more people who could do that. So please do. And then the last uh, survey we have, just because... Garrett was complaining about us not having enough, and so we were like, let's get, get, get more. More surveys, please. We put together a, a RSVP for the Denton North Church first ever retreat. Yeah. We want to know who's coming, okay? So that's October 23rd and 24th. All we need from you is to go to DentonNorthChurch.com slash retreat. Super easy. Our URLs are all pretty easy. And just tell us if you're coming, how many people you bring with you, et cetera. It's going to be at Mount Lebanon Camp, which is in Cedar something uh, somewhere, and Cedar Hill, nice, like it, there we go, Cedar Hill, and um, just tell us if you're coming. It's going to be really fun, we've got a lot of ideas planned, it's just going to be the 23rd and 24th from noon on the 23rd to noon on the 24th, and we have uh, motel rooms there, so you will not be having to like fit like 30 people in a bunk room, okay, so we're really pulling out all the stops, all right? So please tell us if you're coming so we can know how many things to plan, how many activities, all that kind of stuff, how much food, et cetera. We need to know that. So just that's all we're asking for now. DentonNorthChurch.com slash retreat. Tell us if you're coming. And the last thing is our giving. If it's your first time here, um, the way we do giving is not passing a basket. We just, for for now, do DentonNorthChurch.com slash donate. Boom. We got URLs everywhere coming out of our ears. DentonNorthChurch.com slash donate. Really easy to give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift. And I'm just going to say a short prayer, and then the worship team is going to get started. Lord, thank you so much for this chance to get together and worship you. Uh, Lord, just quiet our minds and our hearts. Help us just to center on you. um, Enjoy being together and worshiping together as a community. I just pray that you'd help us to have the distractions of our our lives melt away. And um, just let us uh, center on you in gratitude um, and in worship for you. And Lord, just thank you for the excitement of a new year, the people that you're bringing to Denton to our church. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunities and the, the uh, ability you have to change people's lives like you've, like you've changed ours here. my pray. Amen.
1: Hi, everybody. How's it going? Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I'm gonna move this right here. Well, welcome, everybody, to Denton North Church. Call it DNC for short. My name is... What? Someone says ka Okay, gotcha. All right. Wrong time. Yeah. If I would have said like UNT, you could have been like ka Yeah, I didn't say UNT yet though. So I guess for the sake of you guys, UNT. Uh, yeah, cool. What about T dub? Yeah. Uh, all right, there you go. What do they do? Do they go, oh okay, there we go. <laughs> oh I'm pretty sure that's the TW. Uh hoot, hoot, got it, got it. Um, well, uh, my name is Garrett. Uh, I'm one of the, the pastors that are here, that's here on staff for DNC. I'm excited to get to talk with you guys today. I even wore my Focus shirt, um, which I don't typically wear, but I, I did today because I know that we probably have a lot of, uh, of new students that uh, perhaps uh, you met some of our students during Welcome Week, and if you uh, are here for the first time, we want to welcome you guys uh, and tell you how much we appreciate you visiting our little church. Clearly, uh, we're really impressive uh, you know, we have all of our stuff together all the time. That's why people come into our church polished, like how polished we are, uh, on different things. That's kind of what we're known for. Um, and that, that, that certainly goes for sermon giving as well. Very impressive sermon. I'm just joking. Uh, I don't want, I don't want to give you guys any unrealistic expectations. Um, we're a small church. Uh, we are a church that values relationships, especially one-on-one relationships, and we really love Jesus, and we try really hard to honor him and to worship him with our whole lives and our whole hearts, but, side note, we're not great at it, uh, which is kind of, a, kind of a starting place for the church uh, throughout history as well, uh, hence all of Paul's letters, uh, where he's like, hey, you guys, you're not really doing this great, um, I noticed that, Uh, tell me about that. So at any rate, uh, I'm excited that you guys are joining us here this morning. Um, We are going to be talking about friendships, I think, today. Brad gave me a prompt, and I don't understand 100%. I listened to his sermon last week, and I thought it was really good. I know there was a pig reference, um, the movie Pig, which apparently he ruined for everybody in here. He, for some reason, thought he did not ruin that for everybody, but that clearly did ruin it. Yeah, sorry. Um, but uh, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I threw that in as a side note. Now that I have the floor, I can just say whatever I want about that. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to ruin any movies for you guys today, I don't think. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I get it, though. Uh, we Brad, Brad decided that, um, that a good place to start, and I, I totally agree, would be um, the Beatitudes. if we If we want to learn about what healthy friendship, what healthy relationships look like, then maybe a great place to start would be the Beatitudes. Um, and he started with peacemaking. Blessed are the peacemakers, where they'll be children of God. Um, and I just want to say just a quick thing, because I'm going to talk a lot about friendships today, especially. I want to hit on specifically friendships. Um, I'm totally aware. I just now realize I'm pretty off-center. There we go. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I'm aware of the fact that friendship Whenever people hear that word, it's either this, this, great, this great feeling that they have associated with, they're like, oh, my friends, like friendships, yes. And then there's others of us here that when they hear that word, it's a little bit scary or bitter towards us because we're not, we're not confident in our friendships or we don't feel great about them. Maybe you just moved here from another city and you have no friends. Uh, that are currently anywhere in a 10 square mile radius, uh, and you're like, man, friendships, I don't know about this. It's a shaky, it's a kind of a shaky ground. And I want to encourage you that wherever you're at, that you would just do your best to try to listen and internalize, what is Jesus saying to me or asking me to do in regards to friendships? That's why I just want to encourage you guys to do that today. And I think the God of peace, our Father who loves us, has good intentions for us regarding friendships, um, if we would just listen and pay attention to where he's leading us. Uh, so that's, you know, kind of a, an intro, I guess we could say. Um, you know, when Jesus used the word peacemakers, I wonder what he had in mind, right? Because we tend to think like, oh, someone who makes peace. And I'm like, yes, and what does that mean? Because the Greek word that he actually used there, um, it's irene poias. all right? This Greek word that he, and how many times did I practice that? Two. That's why it's so bad, okay? So don't judge me. If you're, uh, if you're a Greek scholar in here and you're like, oh my gosh, you just butchered that, get over it, okay? All right, nobody's perfect. Um, so it is only used there. Like that's it. Like in, in scripture, it's used in Matthew 5, 9, and that's it. So it's not like we have a ton of other uh, context to go off of there. Some people might be like, well, it's, it makes sense by itself, doesn't it? Just a peacemaker, someone who makes peace. Yes, but again, I would ask you, what do you think that that means, and furthermore, what did Jesus specifically? What was he asking us there? What was he saying? This is who will be called a child of God. It's from this root word "irene," which actually means to join together. It means wholeness, actually, uh, and uh, the, the the definition is when all essential parts are joined together properly. Peace, God's gift of wholeness. So, does anybody, let me see if we have any Hebrew scholars amongst us. When you hear that word peace and wholeness, you think what shalom. shalom, right? The shalom of God, right? So, first interesting fact of the day to be a peacemaker means to be someone who brings wholeness. Someone who is who brings the shalom of God. When God says, blessed are those who bring shalom, then you are my children, because that is what God himself does. He brings wholeness. So my suggestion would be that being a peacemaker simply means to be someone that is absolutely, absolutely devoted to people's wholeness, all right? That you'd be totally devoted to people's wholeness. That's a weird word to say. I'm going to say it quite a bit. But there's two important ways I see this playing out. One is in the context of church, and the other is outside of it. Because I don't think—hopefully we're not on different pages here—you're not only supposed to be interested in the wholeness of Christians, but you're also not only supposed to be interested in the wholeness of the world outside of the church as well. People lean different ways, right? There are some Christians who are like, it's all about this, and the world is bad, and then there's, strangely, other Christians who think the church is bad, the world is good. And it, both of them are not really a, a very full picture of, of what it is that I think Jesus would suggest to us. And in this sermon, typically, I, I really love using Scripture as just anchor points throughout all of my sermons, uh, or throughout my, the points of my sermon, as I, I, I refer a lot to Scripture because, obviously, uh, it is uh, it is the way that we might interact with God's truth in our lives, especially in the context of teaching. But today, I'm going to try to do something different. I really sense the Spirit urging me to speak about my own friendships as illustrations um, in this sermon, because I want to put skin on these ideas. When we talk about friendship, it's, it's easy to talk a lot about these different um, kind of ideas, like, do this, do that, you know, or here's some scripture of, you know, this friendship or whatever but I really want to try to honor the people who've helped me so much in my own pursuit of Jesus and just try to give you insight into my own life in terms of my own friendships, too. So I figured I'd kill a couple of birds with one stone. I want to make two disclaimers before I start. One is just what I just said. Um, I'm not going to use a ton of scripture, although I typically would, but I hope, and I think you'll find, that what I share is heavily rooted in the gospel and in biblical truth. Uh, and afterwards, by the way, the last couple of sermons, nobody told me you guys do questions after your sermons. So it's not like I was like, no questions. Uh, they just now told me that. And so we will take questions afterwards. So if you have questions afterwards, I would love to, to do a very poor job answering them. And then secondly, my second disclaimer is, I most likely will get emotional, which I know is probably not really a disclaimer, uh, because those of you that know me, that's something. But I also want to just point out that this time especially, how could you not become emotional when you talk about the people who have literally shown you Jesus, right? How could you not become emotional when you talk about people who have had such a great effect on your life and who have, who have helped me find wholeness in Jesus, Right? So if I appear as a fool for that, that doesn't bother me too much. I'm, I'm used to being a fool. So the first thing that I talked about, those two different avenues that I mentioned, in terms of <laughs> the way that we can we be, be peacemakers in our relationships and friendships especially, and it's just something that I would, it's a let us statement. I like let us statements because it's this perhaps hopeful way of saying we do need to do this, and perhaps we don't do a great job of it, but let us together go about trying to do that, all right? So the first one is just let us be devoted to wholeness within the church. Let us be devoted to wholeness, to peace within the church. Many of you did not have the distinct pleasure of knowing me as a young man. And when I say distinct pleasure... (laughs) I mean displeasure because my basic disposition in life was not to really care about people and not to really care about rules and not to really care about really anything except for the things that I wanted to care about. It wasn't that I hated everybody. It was that I was simply apathetic about their perspective, their views, why I should care about what they thought or what they cared about or whatever, right? Right? I told myself that it was bad to care about what people thought. And there's two kinds of people, right, in regards to this. There are the people who are like, I care everything about what people think of me. And then there are people who are like, I care nothing about what people think of me. And both of those are stupid. I just want to make sure I point that out. Both of those are really bad ways to live your life. And you might say, well, you should only care what God thinks. I'd be like, well, interesting. Now, that would be a, that's a hard one to try to, to establish in the church, considering it's the church who ultimately is filled with people, and we have to listen to what they say. And wouldn't it be really convenient for me if someone in the church was challenging me on something I needed to be challenged about, to be like, I don't care about what you think, I only care about what God thinks. Oh, well, the only problem is, a lot of times God speaks through those people, right? Now, that doesn't mean that we err on the other side, and we care so much about what people think about us that we are just trying to please people all the time. In other words, you just might find out that just like a lot of ideas in Scripture, it takes a balance, a healthy balance, And that balance, by the way, is not achieved by simply creating hard and fast rules about ways of interaction. It is achieved by following the Spirit's guidance in your life. It's not as simple as a sentence or two. It it takes a dependence on God to actually try to strike these balances that we're looking for in our life. My problem is that I only really cared about my people. Church wasn't even really a place that housed my friends. And I certainly felt no responsibility <laughs> to create unity, peace, and wholeness within the church. And I wonder if that's a part of the problem, that we've pawned off this responsibility for wholeness and unity and peace. We've pawned that off on our pastors and said, that's their, that's their business. That's too big for me. That's not something I'm supposed to be in charge of. I can sit back and do whatever I want to, wholeness, unity, peace, these are things that are probably too big for me, my actions, my behaviors to actually start to establish these things in the church. But what I needed, I needed people to show me essentially what that was like. I needed friends. I needed people to come alongside of me and help me get out of myself and help me see what God was really about. And that's exactly what God sent me. And my sermons kind of revolves around these friends. But I'll just start with John von Rennin. So John taught me about having a sensitive heart for people. It's going to be a long one. He sat across from me week after week and he listened. He was kind. And he also told me some hard truths about myself. I didn't know it then, but he started in motion God's plan to bring me to wholeness. Something that's Still, certainly, that I'm in the midst of, but very, fur, very much farther along that road than I thought I would ever get. John asked me questions a lot. He was gentle with me, although I was everything but gentle with him. I used to make fun of John. John's a pretty hairy guy. Uh, and I used to make fun of him growing up about just how hairy this man's body was all the time. I'm like, man, you got hair growing on every possible part of your body. Like, what is that? So I'd call him Yeti and Caveman and that kind of stuff. I was pretty rough with John. He's a sensitive guy. But John, uh, John was always so, so sweet to me, even as he told me hard truths. And I can't imagine the number of times over the years that he spent with me that he wondered to himself, am I wasting my time with this idiot? I've often thought that about myself as well. But John stuck with me. So I want you to learn this from John von Runnen. A peacemaking friend listens with a caring and an unselfish heart. A peacemaking friend listens with a caring and an unselfish heart. Is that my breath doing that? That's crazy. A weird breath. So a peacemaking friend listens with a caring and
2: unselfish heart. The second one, a peacemaking friend sticks around through the hard stuff. Through the hard stuff. Peacemaking friend sticks around through the hard stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm visualizing John Von running as a guy in his mid-20s. And me, as an
1: like, early high school student, and all the complaints that I had about My parents, which you guys know them now, so those were pretty well-founded. But, (laughs) sorry, that's a joke, that's a joke, calm down. All the complaints I had there, all of my ninth grade, 10th grade issues that I was facing, all that kind of stuff, like visualizing this guy. And John is a good-looking, really smart, very successful guy that had four kids at the time. And yet, on a weekly basis, this guy would pick me up, And just, we'd we'd drink a Coke or we'd have a a lunch that he would pay for, or a a dinner that he'd pay for, something like that. And I'm just, what, what does it take to get to be that level of saint, is my question. Because I couldn't do it. I couldn't do something like that. But he stuck with me, even though there were plenty of times, in fact, most of the time, where I pushed up against and was defensive against everything that he was saying. And then also learned this from John. A peacemaking friend tells the truth even if it's hard. If your friendship can't survive speaking the truth in love to one another, notice that last, speak the truth in love, right? It's one thing to say you're an idiot, even though they might be. It's another thing to to say that, but, but actually be saying it for their sake and to love them and to show them what it might look like not to be. But ask yourself those questions in terms of what it looks like to be a friend. Do you listen with a caring and an unselfish heart, or are you just waiting to be heard? Do you stick around through the hard stuff, or have you dipped out on your friends whenever things
2: got hard? Or because it was no longer convenient for you to drive 45 minutes to go be with that friend? And then do you tell the truth and accept the truth, even if it's hard? those
1: are things that can bring peace to friendships, and those are the things that can bring peace to communities as well. In these more recent years of my life, my friend Ronnie has come to be one of my best friends. Now, Ronnie's an old guy, and I hope he listens to this sermon. He needs it. I'm just joking, Ronnie. So, Ronnie's a pretty old fella, but I know of
2: no one more committed to the wholeness of people than him. That was my son, by the way, in case you're wondering what that scream was from back there. None who have been to me the image of a peacemaker more than Ronnie. I can tell Ronnie anything, and he always responds with grace. I can't think of a single time, even if Ronnie told me some hard
1: stuff, and Ronnie's told me some pretty hard stuff about me, stuff that cut pretty deep, but it was true but he always did it with grace. He always did it. And I always knew why he was doing it. Excuse me. He told me those difficult truths. And he's open to them himself. Somehow, in these recent years of life, Ronnie, becoming one of my friends, has become very open about his own life to where I could speak into it for him as well. And he has humbly accepted that. Ronnie started that church in Garland, the warehouse church, when I was in the sixth grade. And man, sixth grade Garrett, if you would have told him one day, you're going to be friends with that guy. You're going to be friends. I don't mean like, you know, that. I mean like buddies, like he's your friend. You text him funny memes. (laughs) He texts pretty irrelevant
2: ones. I think he's still trying to figure out how it works. He shows
1: his care for me in the way that he makes time for me. The way that he's vulnerable and honest with me, even though I've got, I'm half his age, I think literally. And then also, he's a guy that says it all the time, how much he loves me. He says it all the time, how much he's thankful for our friendship. He says it all, he encourages me all the time.
2: He says stuff like, dude, I'm so proud of you. You know? You gotta get yourself a Ronnie, all right? He's got time, just ask him. <laughs>
1: but learn this from Ronnie. A peacemaking friend makes time for people and they're consistent with people. Ronnie and I get together every Friday at 8.45 a.m. at Chick-fil-A. We walk around.
2: We did it through the pandemic when it was cold. We did it through the pandemic when it was hot. But he always made time for me. And he's been consistent. You want to be a good friend to people be
1: someone they can rely on, not someone they have to wonder where they stand on stuff. Be someone that shows up. If you don't listen to any country music, you guys listen to any country? We got any country fans in here? Just like one or two. I know this probably won't play well in it and, you know, country music, 90s country only. But there's this song that says you find out who your friends are. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody's gonna drop everything run out and get in their car, <laughs> jump on the gas, get there fast, never stop and ask what's in it for me, or it's way too far, you know? That's right, they just showing up. That's it. Get you a friend like that, but better yet, be a friend like that. Because the people that are friends like that find they have plenty of friends like that. So if you're wondering why you don't have friends like that, maybe the first place to look is, have I been a friend like that to somebody? Have I really tried to show up in people's lives? And again, that's not meant to make you feel bad. That's meant to hopefully encourage you to be that kind of person. Another thing I learned from Ronnie in friendship was that friendship is meant to be vulnerable and honest. Man, the stuff I've shared with Ronnie would put hair on your chest. <laughs> Have you guys heard that phrase before? <laughs> I think I was just thinking about John Von runnen <laughs> Hopefully he's listening to this too. But a peacemaking friend is vulnerable and they're honest. And when I say vulnerable, I don't just mean they ask other people to be. I mean they forwarded that themselves. They're not waiting on someone to say, Hey, how are you doing? They show up and they're like, Man, I need some prayer. I have been struggling for weeks. I am anxious. I'm depressed. I need some help. Can you be there for me on this? How about you? How are you doing? What are you feeling? They're honest. There's no pretense. And I don't mean that your friendships have to be like these big spiritual conversations every time. Please don't hear me saying that. You can go hang out with someone and uh, play basketball, um, you know, just go to a coffee shop, go out to dinner or watch a game or something like that. Not everything has to be this deep spiritual conversation to have a spiritual friendship, okay? If it was, then I would be pooped on friendship for sure. I do that all day anyway, I don't need like a ton more of that. But what I do mean is that those friends, every now and then, when the time is there and when they're noticing and paying attention, they ask each other those harder questions. They show up. They actually engage each other in that, right? You're balancing on one side or the other, perhaps balance better. And then this last thing with Ronnie, peacemaking friend is full of grace and they point people to Jesus. They're full of grace. It's so important, if you want to be a good friend, to just get over yourself. Would you forgive stuff if people wrong you or if they don't say it perfectly? Maybe you shared your junk with them and they didn't respond the way you wanted them to. Have grace for them. Maybe they didn't know what to say. Maybe they're not great at that kind of stuff. Why are we so demanding in our friendships? Worry about what you can give. Demand nothing. So ask yourself that question as well. Do I do that? Am I a friend that looks like that? Do I make time for people? And am I consistent in my friendships? Am I vulnerable and honest in my friendships? And are my friendships full of grace? Do I actually point people to Jesus? I could share about many more friends who've showed me peacemaking in the community of believers, people who have helped me think through wholeness in my own life. I think of a friend named Tom who I receive texts from regularly, even though this guy is busy as all get out. He's constantly on a plane somewhere. Uh, But he'll ask me all the time, hey man, how's your head and your heart? And he means it. It's a stock question for him, but he means it every time. And if
2: if if you say anything other than something honest, He's going to ask you a follow-up question on it. He's very busy, but he also remembers my prayers, even for other people.
1: People that I'm praying for, he'll ask me, what's going on with that person? Can I be praying for them? And this guy will ask me even months after the fact, I've been praying for them. How are they doing? And I'm like, dude, I stopped praying for them weeks ago. (laughs) You're still praying for them? (laughs) Man, you're such a better person than I am. This guy's cared for my physical and financial needs more than anybody else I can think of besides my parents growing up. Isn't that a picture of wholeness? Isn't that a picture of caring about the wholeness of someone? That you would care about every single part of their lives, their spiritual needs, their physical needs, their emotional needs, that kind of stuff that you would say, hey, I want us together to walk towards Jesus to actually achieve that wholeness. I could share about a lot of other people. I could share about people in this church, Ryan, Leslie, Shayla, Josh, Grant, so many more people. So if I didn't bring you up, don't be upset about it. If you need me to share about my friendship with you afterwards, just come up to me and I'll tell you some nice things. (laughs) But being peacemakers in the church means that we devote ourselves to the wholeness of the people in this church. There's no better way to do that than authentic, unselfish, and consistent friendship. The reason we say one on ones how it's done is because it's essential to our unity and our growth as the people of God. I want to remind you guys of what that definition of the root, the root word for peacemaker is that irene word. Properly, it means wholeness when all the essential parts are joined together.
2: That's my daughter. <laughs>
1: For those of you in the audio, if you couldn't hear that high-pitched scream, that was my daughter. So again, being a peacemaker in the church means that we devote ourselves to the wholeness of people in this church, and there's no better way to do that than authentic, unselfish, and consistent friendship with the people here. The reason that we say one-on-one is how it's done is because it's essential to our unity and, the growth, and our growth as people of God. But what about that second path that we mentioned about being devoted to people outside the church. Here's the second let us statement. I only have two points, I guess. Let us be devoted to wholeness
2: of people outside the church as well. And they are different things. Lest we think our only important friendships are with those inside the church, we should also address those outside of it. I've heard people
1: that use 2 Corinthians 6.14 where Paul says, "Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship can light have with darkness? Come out from him." That kind of stuff. I've heard them use that as a, a proof text to excuse themselves from making friends with non-believers. as if somehow we're gonna, we're just gonna win people to us by just being very exclusive. You know, that's gonna, everyone's gonna be like, "Wait, what do they like? You know, that, what do they have? You know, that I want. You know, that kind of stuff." I dare say none of us are that impressive of Christians that people are going to be like, man, what do they have? Like,
0: whoa, how do I get that?
1: <laughs> Sorry, if that was you and that was your mode of evangelism for the last some odd years, I would like to introduce you to another mode. It is where you become friends with people outside of the church. But I want to make a, a, I want to make a statement here that I don't, think it's, I don't think it's very controversial, but I would just suggest it. It's just a suggestion. I'm sure we'll have a question on it. But if friendship exists on some spectrum between like acquaintance on one end and on the other side is like my very best friend of the whole world who I do everything with, then I'd suggest that this verse, the verse that is being spoken about where, where Paul speaks about being yoked together with non-believers, that that verse is more a warning about making people our best friends whose essential worldview is so opposed to our own because their goals and desires will naturally be in conflict with ours. Uh, And so I think that is what's being spoken of, not just avoid friendship with people that are outside the church, but rather, and especially uh, for some of our younger folks in here, if you make somebody who doesn't love Jesus your best friend, how then do you suppose that you will be uh, influenced and pointed to Jesus in that friendship? I would even argue since God invented people and God invented friendship, that there's not really such a thing as a healthy friendship apart from God. That can't really exist. There's semblances that can exist of a healthy friendship apart from God. But the
2: healthiest friendship is one in which God is at the center. It's kind of, I think, a a basic idea in Scripture. And if we have
1: very close friends who are not believers, we may ask ourselves if that is because our worldviews and our lives aren't so different from theirs after all. And that would be a problem too. I'd like to suggest that we should very much be making friends with people who do not follow Jesus, but that we need to be careful about what a healthy balance looks like there, and there's that word
2: again. So I want to share about two friends that I have that I think are not quite there yet in terms of their walk with God.
1: One of my friends, Mark, is not a follower of Jesus yet, but he is my friend. I love this guy. He's got honest questions He's really funny. In fact, I shared this at Sicko Club, so I'll share it with you guys. He really, like, we had a great conversation about the Trinity a couple months ago, because he was like, you know how stupid that is, right? And I'm like, yes. I know. I'm like, yeah, dude. He's like, you say God's one. And I'm like, mm-hmm. He's like, but there's three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm like, yes, also true. And he's like, Garrett, you're too smart for that. What's going on here? But he, he's not, I'm not upset at that. I understand that where he's coming from is a sincere place, and he loves me too. I get that. And so he sent me a meme a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember how long ago it was actually, but it was the, like that famous painting of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, Father, it's me, you. <laughs> <laughs> Father, it's me, you. <laughs> and I laughed at that because I was like, man, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm with you, man. This guy's fun to be around. On every Monday night, we go out to dinner and we eat and we laugh. We talk about what's going on in our lives and our marriages and with our kids and how God makes sense with all of that. I don't know where that friendship ultimately lead, but I will continue in it because I'm committed to his wholeness, come what may. I've told him numerous times as he's gone through some pretty difficult things. I've told him, I'm like, you don't got a friend like me that'll stick around.
2: What's that song? The Disney song? Nope, not that one. Ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> Is that Aladdin? I think that's Aladdin. Okay,
1: sorry. I'm, I'm new to the Disney thing. Uh, I didn't really watch Disney movies growing up. Uh, you know, we watched adult movies for the most part, uh, like like Halloween. Uh, but that being said, now that I have kids, I actually watch Disney movies. And so I'm, I'm like still in like, I'm just now learning these songs and I like them. Now I, I see, I understand. I get why people like Disney now, okay? Okay. Um, so I've told him that. I said, you don't have a friend like me. And he agrees because he sees the goodness of Jesus. And Mark, if you listen to this sermon at some point as a Christian, I just want to say, I told you so. <laughs> another, one my, another one of my friends, we're just going to call him JD, is trying to follow Jesus. But he's very torn by pursuing other things in the world. And I have to point out, I could not be more different than this person in so many different things, in so many different ways, I could not be more different than him. But I heard the Spirit at some point tell me, befriend this guy. And I was like, okay. I was like, that guy? Are you sure? That guy? All right. I'd literally gotten into an altercation with him weeks before. Altercation is a strong word. Uh, fist fight, I'm joking. Uh <laughs> We had argued quite regularly about any number of different things. He just really, have you ever had those people that really just rub you the wrong way? I'm like, why do you have to be like that? And Michael Scott, why are you the way you are? (laughs) He was that for me, but he's not that way anymore. We meet up every week and have for the last two years. He's really trying to make the turn on being a disciple I've spent all this time with him because he's my friend, and I want to see Jesus make him whole. I really want that. I want to see Jesus make this dude whole. I've spoken some very difficult truths to him over the last couple years, and I've banged my head against the wall with this guy more times than I can remember. Actually, maybe that's probably why I can't remember. But God has me in that friendship for a reason. I know that he does, and I'm hopeful that he'll eventually sell out and follow Jesus with his whole heart i tell you about these friends so I can put kind of a skin to this idea that it's incredibly, that's so incredibly important. We are meant to be making friendships with people who don't know Jesus so that they can know Jesus and experience wholeness. Can I point that out again? You are meant to be making friends with people that don't know Jesus so that they might know Jesus and be made whole. And in doing that, the funny thing is God will make us more like Jesus and make us more whole as well. I don't just make friends with people because you're supposed to reach out to non-believers. I make friends with people and I tell them about Jesus and I point them towards Jesus the best I can because that's the common denominator in my mind in all healthy friendships, that they're based in Jesus. So it's not mission friendship. It's not a fake friendship. It's not in any way different or less than other friendships. The common thread is that in all healthy relationships, all healthy friendships, that they might be based on Jesus, based on bringing us peace, and that that just looks different depending on where people are, that's all. So a couple key things to consider here about these friendships outside the church. If you wanna change the world, you wanna change the world, That is, in my estimation, the best way to do it. The best I can tell. The best way to change the world is by making friends with people who hold very different views than us, who think very differently than us, and who look very differently than us, and not via Facebook posts. I just wanna suggest that. I wanna suggest that perhaps it's not as much through voting, perhaps it's not as much through Facebook posts, social media, activism, all that stuff. Those things are not necessarily bad. But I think the most important way that we can change this world is by the people that we befriend who are differently than us and who think differently than us. And we say, I am your friend regardless of the views that you have. I am your friend regardless of whether what you think think is completely different than what I think. But we have become a part of a culture that no longer has room to be friends with people who are different than us. We no longer have room for it, and we wonder why there is such a divide here. We're one way, and we only want friends who are this way. We refuse to have friends who really disagree with us on things because our egos are so fragile. But this is how different people can make peace with one another, through friendship. This is how we bring Jesus to the world. One of the main ways we bring Jesus to the world is through friendship. So I want to... Distill all that down real quick for you and repeat them, okay? If you want to be a friend, you want to have healthy relationships in the context of peacemaking, of bringing wholeness, be friends with people who think and look and are different than you, both inside the church and outside of it. Be friends with people who
2: think and look and are different from you, both inside the church and outside of it. Number two, be committed people. Sorry, be people that are committed to people's wholeness inside the church and out. (laughs) And then, from some of my friends, listen to people with a caring and an unselfish heart. Listen to people with a caring and an unselfish heart. Number four, stick around. Through hard stuff, don't run away during hard things. One of the things I've heard from people, by the way, as a side note here, is people are like, "I always initiate with them, but they never initiate with me."
1: If that's the hardest thing you have to face in your friendship, get over it and initiate
2: with them. How about that? Number five: Tell the truth, even if it's hard, and accept the truth, even whenever it's hard. Listen to people. Number six, make time for people. Make time for people and be consistent
1: in that time together, that you would be consistent, that you would be someone reliable for them, someone that interacts with them by your own choosing regularly. Number seven, be vulnerable and be honest and be open completely. Share your actual life with people, not a version of yourself with people. If you were to ask all my friends, what's Garrett like? They would all say all the same thing. All the ugly of it and all the good of it too. I don't think that you'd get this image. Oh, he's this way. Some, and Someone's like, whoa, he's this way? Like, no, you're going to get the same thing, I think.
2: And then finally, be full of grace. Be full of grace for people. And point people to Jesus. In doing so, that's your main way of pointing people to Jesus, is by being full of grace. Okay, I'm going to stop there so that we can do a couple of questions you guys have questions. So, yeah, questions that you guys might be dealing with, yeah. Yeah,
1: so what do you, what do, you do if you feel like your schedule is so full that you don't uh, like have time to make you know other friends? Um, You know, that's, I think maybe the easiest answer to that question is it probably depends on you and where you are. Some people whose schedule feels very full, if we go and we look at it, they're like, well, I need that that final four hours of every night. I need that to watch my shows or to rest. And if for some reason, by the way, guys, your friendships, you don't feel rested in those and those feel like chores to you, it's time to go back to the drawing board on what a friendship is. Friendship should put into us and we should put into it. There are times where it's going to be draining. People go through hard things. You're going to feel drained by the hard stuff that they're going through as you try to help them carry a life burden, right? But that's not all friendships all the time, you know? If that's, like the, if that's a hallmark of your friendships that you just feel like like if they're kind of chores, oh, I've got to go do this, that's, that's probably not a healthy place to be. Um, so barring that it's like, let's say that you have a legitimately full schedule, you know, and that, guys, everyone has a limit, Right? You can't just be friends with everybody in the whole world. you like, well, that's it. But I think each one of us needs to pray and ask God for guidance in terms of balance in our own lives. There's probably some of us sitting here right now that need to hear, it's enough. Just love the people I already put in front of you. Like, it's enough already. But then there's also probably people in here that need to hear from the Spirit. Would you get up and do something? Would you actually befriend people? How many friends are you even trying to spend time with every week? and why is your life so much about you right and we each need to probably carefully uh, ask god and also you might ask a handful of your friends people mentors advisors that you might trust uh, ask them for some input in that direction i know many of you are are new to the workforce at some point like at least the last 5 6 years and i know that it's easy in those first years especially to feel completely overcome by work right and so you get home every day and you're like i don't have time i don't have the energy to go spend with friends That is, I think, a great lie that Satan will get you, that that he's going to tell you that your best way of recharging is by being isolated and just by being by yourself. I'm an introvert, guys. I get it. Uh, I, I, I recharge by being alone. However, it is a lie to believe that that means that every night of the week or even most nights of the week, I shouldn't be intentionally pursuing friendships and other different things. Figure out what it looks like to rest with your friends. Invite them over to hang out and talk. Just watch a movie together. Uh, do what you were going to do anyway invite your friend to come do it with you and then just kind of poke around you know like ask each other what's going on each other's lives and that kind of stuff too does not have to be a big deal it doesn't have to be a coffee shop spiritual conversation every time you know what i mean by that like friendship doesn't need to be relegated to coffee shop deep spiritual conversations you need to like do nothing together as well yeah you guys are asking you guys are asking great questions i don't think that there's a solid answer he asked is there like a a way to know what the balance should be like between being alone and being with people. There's nothing wrong with being alone, guys. And everybody uh, kind of has um, their own preference in terms of whether they'd be alone or with other people. I think the simple thing is to just to, again, we have to be people that go to the Lord on this and say, God, am I holding back myself for selfish reasons from other people? Or am I overspending myself for the reason of trying to feel like I'm doing enough, if that makes sense? So I think we, have to, we probably have to go and pursue the Lord's mind on that in our own lives. And again, it would not hurt to ask for the opinions and advice for us personally to the people around us as well. Maybe one more. Sure. Yeah, he's asking essentially, is it, is it possible to achieve wholeness, uh, I think, in this life? Um, man, that's a, that's a bigger question. I'm just gonna say that The process of sanctification the process of us becoming more like jesus includes i think the lord filling us up in more ways than what we'd perhaps in the past been able to be filled to Um, now that being said that filling is for pouring as well as paul would say in second timothy even if i'm being poured out like a drink offering you know it's like that a whole idea uh, but I do think a part of, uh, of, of becoming like Jesus and being sanctified, I do think a big part of that it includes feeling, the, feeling more whole. Uh, and that doesn't mean necessarily feeling great all the time, you know, <laughs> feeling, the, oh, man, I'm just, I'm happy 100% of the time. We forget that wholeness is not necessarily attached to just an emotional state, but rather an actual state of, are you fulfilling God's plan for you as a person? Right, and are you speaking with God? Are you loving God and others? That kind of stuff. So I do think that wholeness is possible. However, I think that that wholeness waits for the already not yet kind of thing that we've talked about in the past, probably as a church. Is just there's there already you can experience some semblance of wholeness, but it's not until all things are redeemed and all of our hopes finally come to fruition. Which, which is going to happen. That's a dead sure thing. It's just a matter of when. Then we'll experience wholeness, but we can experience some version of that wholeness right now whenever we obey Christ. Yeah, one more. Yeah, um, so she asked if, um, she said, basically sometimes people can misconstrue you trying to befriend people outside of, of the church, and they think that you're just doing it as a project. I think the first thing would be to make sure that we're not. <laughs> the first thing would be to make sure that you're not just doing that to check something off your list, but rather that you actually care about that person and can say to them sincerely, hey, listen, I am a Christian. I would like Don't get me wrong. I would love to talk with you about Jesus. You tell me how open you are to that. And if you're not open to that, I still want to hang out with you. You want to go bowling on Thursday. Uh, so I think I just play my, I play my cards as fast as possible. I show them what I have. And I say, here you go like if you want to spend time together like let's do it I want to be your friend and if they're like well I'm not interested in Jesus I'm like okay still want to eat some tacos or <laughs> is that is that is that off the table now um so and that's okay so I think the biggest thing is addressing our own heart issues of are you just trying to befriend people so that you can be a good Christian and save them for Jesus or are you actually trying to become friends with people uh, regardless of of what's going on there cool but also listen Again, common thread here, listen to the spirit's guidance. I guarantee you, many of you sit here right now, having already been prompted by the spirit to go and spend time with someone. And you were like, you just haven't done it yet. I bet you if we did a show of hands, you'd be like, I know exactly who you're talking about. Sometimes like a couple of people. And you're like, and I have done absolutely nothing. I wanna encourage you guys, text them today. Ask them to go do something fun. Go ask them to go hang out at some point, okay? Invite them over for dinner or do something fun. Listen to the Spirit's guidance on that stuff. It has shocked me who God has said, go befriend that person. And I'm like, okay. And then I do, and I'm like, they become one of my best friends. And I'm like, whoa, I would not have picked that. It's almost like God can help us find our friends better than we can, and that our criteria might be somewhat worse than his in figuring out how you can mix two souls together, uh, I don't know. This is a crazy idea. All right. Um, we have communion. I'm going to go ahead and do communion now. Is that right, Leslie? I'm doing communion. Okay, cool. So we have these like hourglass communion cups. I'm going to just call them that. Um, the juice is on the top side. It's, it's so sanitary. And we have the bread there as well. Um, I'm going to just say a prayer. We're we're pretty over time, I think. So I'm just going to say a prayer for us uh, for, for this communion now. And I will just say this. The... Jesus saying, I have called you friends is, is not, it should not be lost on you either. That the, that the God of the cosmos, can you think of someone more different than you? Can you think of someone more different than you? That Jesus said, I'll call you friends. Now you name someone who you, th- who you've told yourself, I could never be friends with that person. Are you more different than they are? <laughs> right. So think about that as you take communion today. Think about the fact that the God of the cosmos has deigned to call you a friend of his. Think about how good of news that is. Thank him and be grateful as you take this. I'm gonna say a prayer for us. Father, you are so good. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for calling us friends, Father. I pray that you would bless this communion, Father. God, the, uh, the juice and the bread, Father, your blood and your body, broken for us, that you laid down your life for us, your friends. Father, we thank you so much. I pray that your grace to us would not be without effect, God, but that our friendships and our relationships would reflect an eager desire to bring the wholeness that you have given to us, Father, to others, and that we would be made whole in those relationships. Thank you. pray this Jesus' name. Amen.